0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
1: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may
0: apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
2: Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this
0: episode, the news editor at Coast to Coast AM weighs in on the state of ufology.
3: But to me, it's like it's not about the lights in the sky. It's like all about the machinations of the government. And I feel like maybe the UFO community has lost sight of that a little bit. When you're spending all your time debating, you know, the commissary note from Lou Elizondo to see if he was really at the Pentagon in, in June <laughs> or whatever, it's like, what does this have to do with aliens?
0: If you enjoy Conspiracy Unlimited, why not become a Conspiracy Unlimited Plus member? For just $1.99 per month, you'll gain access to two bonus, exclusive, commercial-free episodes per month, plus access to my back catalogue of episodes. To subscribe, just go to ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com and click on Gain Access to Premium Episodes. Again, go to ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com and click on Get access to premium episodes or click on the link in the episode notes. Conspiracy Unlimited Plus for less than $2 per month. Why not sign up today?
2: Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serres. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads, exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs, here's Richard Serrett.
1: Hey,
0: welcome to your Friday. We made it. I'm delighted to have Tim Binal here. He's the news editor for the Coast to Coast AM website, as well as the host of the pioneering paranormal podcast, Binal of America. Hey, Tim, welcome aboard. How are you?
3: I'm doing well, Richard. Thanks for having me on.
0: My pleasure. We get to work from time to time on Coast to Coast AM, where you serve as the news editor for the Coast to Coast AM website. Tell folks how that came about for you.
3: Oh, okay. Well, it's a really, it's kind of a long and winding road, but I'll try and keep it short.
0: I love long and winding roads.
3: Excellent, excellent. Okay, well, this is this is one of my favorite stories to tell, and I always uh, start it out when I give a presentation or uh, appear on a show somewhere. Uh, long story short is I, I graduated from Syracuse University uh, back in uh, May of 2001, so right before 9-11, um, and uh, my dad, God rest his soul, he, he sat me down when I got home from college, and he handed me a slip of paper that he had itemized. He must have really enjoyed putting this together, an itemized slip of paper. With all all of my debts from college, and he said, here's how much you owe. And then he handed me the want ads, and he was like, now figure out how to pay it. Uh, So I ended up getting a job at my old high school as an overnight janitor. And in the process, I discovered Coast to Coast AM. And uh, it was an an incredible education for me because I was lucky enough to be working the overnight five nights a week so I could uh, listen to all the shows all the time. It was great. And then, as I'd been listening for a few years, I I wanted to ask these folks questions about, uh, about you know, like like on coast to coast. You know, I had questions for for the guests, so uh, I eventually launched my own podcast before podcasts happened. This was like in uh, 2005. Um, I just started recording phone calls and posting them posting them on the internet um, uh, before they were called podcasts. And that went on for about 10 or 15 years or so. I was still doing it now. And, and in the middle of all that, uh, Coast to Coast brought me in as a fill-in guy at the website. And I did that for five or six years. And finally, uh, at one point, we kind of put our heads together and were like, what more can we do here? And and uh, uh, it was like, well, you know, we have this amazing presence on the overnight, but the website, it's just nothing's going on there in the daytime. So it's like, "Let let me... Come on board and, and and fill out this stuff on in the daytime. Let me write stories for you guys. Let's 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 try that. And it turned out to be a great success. And um, you know they brought me in really as like a full-time guy uh, a couple years ago. We were trying it out for a while, and it definitely seemed to work. So they brought me in as the uh, full-time news editor uh, a couple summers ago. And part of the the fun, I guess, of telling the story is I always tell people anybody can get involved in this crazy field that is the paranormal um you know i was an overnight janitor listening to coast to coast <laughs> back in 2002 or so and now here i am i'm on coast to coast there I'm, you are. I'm on coast to coast i'm the news editor for the show and i'm, I'm on coast to coast every other every other friday or so so uh it's it's quite a journey and any like i said anybody can be a part of it you don't you don't need to have a degree to be a bigfoot researcher to be a ghost hunter to be a ufo um you know, ufologist, uh, you can just do it. Anyone can do it. Start a blog, start a podcast, um, and, 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 you know, add your voice to the mix.
0: And did you end up paying off your debts? Absolutely, yeah, I sure did. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. God bless your dad. That's a great story. So before you became an overnight janitor and were listening to Coast, what was your interest, if any, in the paranormal?
3: I was, I had a real interest as a kid. Um I can distinctly remember I did like a science project, um, and like all kids, parents help their help them with with their projects. And so I like I did a report on Bigfoot, and my mom made. I wish I had a picture of it. I have to ask her if there is one. But my mom made like a, what we presume is like a life-size Bigfoot. So like it like a like a paper, you know, out of paper. Um, and I gave the presentation next to it, so, and not little <laughs> me in like third grade. <laughs> so. So uh, to convey the giantness of Bigfoot, That's, I remember that really well. Um, so I always had an interest in, in this stuff. Um, you know, then I went to college, and people forget about that kind of stuff when they're in college, right? Um, and then I got out, and 9-11 happened, and it was all very sort of confusing. It was like, how did this happen? Um, and and, and I, I, got, uh, I picked up Rule by Secrecy by the late great Jim Marr. Oh, yes. Was kind of like a mentor to me. And I just devoured Rule by Secrecy, and then I got Alien Agenda, which was his other book at the time. He only had three back then when I first got into this: Crossfire, Alien Agenda, and uh, Rule by Secrecy. So I read all those, and that just set me down the path um, of of getting re rekindled with all this stuff. Um, So and it was exciting at the time because it was like, oh wow, this is. (laughs) I look back now; I was kind of so naive and. That you know, I got back into it, and I'm like, oh, they—they must. It sounds like they're really close to breaking this UFO thing, and
1: <laughs> oh, they're—they're
3: they're really. Looks like they're probably, it's only a matter of time before they get Bigfoot. I mean, I was talking about it when I was in third grade. I mean, how they must be really close. Now, here I am, (laughs) 20-something. But now, now here I am, 40-something, and we're still waiting for the answers to all those questions.
0: Hey, Um, it's it's, job uh, security. It's (laughs) It's job security.
3: (laughs) Exactly, exactly. I never thought of it that way.
0: So, you are sort of this curator of high strangeness and the paranormal. And one of the stories that you cover, that I enjoy, the Fenn treasure hunt. Yes. Can you tell us about that?
3: Yeah, the Fenn Treasure Hunt, it was last year was like the big year for the Fenn Treasure Hunt. I don't know if we'll hear much more about it now. Uh, it was so exciting. Because um, when you're in this stuff, kind of like what we were just talking about, you very rarely get any answers. There's very rarely any resolutions. So when there is a resolution, it's, it really makes you sit up in your seat. Um, and Forrest Fenn was an eccentric art dealer, art collector. Uh, there's some controversy about him. Some people think he was a grave robber. Um, he's been accused of being a grave robber, um, and back about t- 2010 or so, maybe a little bit before that, he was diagnosed with cancer. He thought he was going to die, and he decided to leave behind this legacy in the form of a of a buried treasure full of artifacts, uh, gold coins that he had collected over the years, uh, all kinds of jewels and jewelry, Native American stuff, um, and he buried it somewhere in the Rocky Mountains. And then he published a memoir called Thrill of the Chase. And in the memoir at the end was a poem that was essentially the treasure map to, to his treasure hidden somewhere in the Rocky Mountains. And it was kind of a quiet little thing for a while. and Then it got a little bit of national attention. I think like a People magazine or somebody wrote an article about it. Um, and then it kind of blew up. And, of course, then, with the Internet, it became even bigger. There was a whole community. Uh, they did a study. They, they figured that, like, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people, at least at some point, tried their hand at figuring out this this, uh, this treasure, this treasure hunt. So, over the course of time, people started it, – it, it sort of just became this, this – this, uh, it just conjured up all kinds of weirdness, in a way. Um, uh, five people died in search of the treasure over the course of uh, ten years, and all kinds of people got arrested, got mixed up in different things. Somebody tried to, somebody broke into Forrest Fenn's house because they they assumed that it was a trick and the treasure was actually at his house. Um, he had to get all kinds of extra security. People would would show up on his property trying to get clues. Uh, it was altogether just very strange. People started suing him, claiming that, uh, that he, uh, claiming that they, they knew where the treasure was, but he wouldn't tell them or something like that. It was it got very weird. So then all of a sudden, uh, again, almost like the thing with the, me in the third grade. I remember when this happened, all of a sudden in, uh, this past summer in June, I was sitting on the couch watching the news, the evening news on Sunday night. And they said, Oh, famous treasure found. And I just about fell off my couch. And I jumped up, and it was the Forest Fen treasure. Someone had found the Forest Fen treasure. Um, I couldn't believe it. I I, I was really absolutely amazed. And what's interesting about the Forest Fen treasure, this story, and kind of like also the Golden State Killer story that broke uh, the the year prior, um, there was another case of like a mystery being solved. It's fascinating to watch these communities respond to what happens when the mystery is solved, because it devolves into uh, a lot of conspiracy talk, um, especially with the Fenn treasure. A lot of people were like, no, 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 It's he, he, he faked this. He called off the treasure hunt because he didn't want anyone to get hurt or sick or die or whatever. Um, you know, he was worried about being um, responsible for all this. Um, there are other people who were like, no, he never even had a treasure. He never even buried a treasure. This is all bogus. Um, and then there were all kinds of other people who were either super depressed because the mystery was over or really mad that the mystery was over. Right,
0: they'd invested invested a lot of their lives into this.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And again, you could see that with the Golden State Killer story, too, where it was like all these people had all these suspects, they had spent all this time, you know, and then all of a sudden it's over. It's not who they thought it was, right. and they're, yeah, and then they, they react to that.
0: What so, do I do now? What do I do now with I, my life?
3: Yeah, exactly, exactly. So then um, it all kind of like, thankfully, in this case, it, at the time, he was like, I'm not going to tell anyone who found the treasure, and I'm not going to tell anybody where it was. And so it was like, well, this is con- this is very um, disappointing. This, <laughs> this is very unfulfilling of, a, of an ending to this story. So then... Uh, He passed away in September of last year, which made it even more. Now it was like, now we'll never, now we may never know what, what happened. Uh, But fortunately, at the end of the year, uh, I don't have his name in front of me, but the the, the person who found the treasure came forward, uh, proved it, I think, with it, with, I don't have any doubt about it. He posted pictures that no one's ever seen before of him and Forrest Fenn with the treasure. So it's like, okay, well, uh, and there was no connection between him and Forrest Fenn. He, Um, I believe he was, uh, either in medical school or, or, uh, or in law school or something like that. And he decided he didn't want to do that anymore and decided to try and find the treasure. And he successfully did it. Um, so yeah, a great American, uh, mystery story that, that wound up being solved. Um, so uh, it was an exciting time last year as this was kind of all unfolding.
0: What's next? I guess maybe they'll find Jimmy Hoffa.
3: You never know, right? (laughs) You really, you really never know what's, something. I'm always waiting for the for the breakthrough that might happen you know, today
0: or tomorrow. Well, I know uh, you know, travel now is very difficult but things are going to open up and hopefully UFO conferences and Bigfoot conferences and you will appear again as guest speakers. You must miss that, right? Getting out on the road?
3: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It was tough too because I didn't do I didn't do a significant amount of that kind of stuff until about uh, 2018 and a lot in 2019. So I was just kind of just getting a real taste for for the fun of it all when the pandemic started. So I was like particularly heartbroken because I think by the time I wrapped up 2019, I had gone to like six different events or or uh, yeah gatherings of, of different types. So to me it was like oh I can't wait to see, like everybody else at the start of the new year, start of the new decade. Oh 2020, it's a fresh start. I can't wait to see what what this new this new era is gonna bring and then of course everything you know everything fell apart but yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to it I'm hoping that by the second half of the year uh, we'll be able to get back on the road and everything and I'm already I'm pretty sure I'm gonna be in Nashville like in October or uh, September so it's already the docket's starting to fill up again which is great
0: you and I have both been to um, you know a lot of UFO conferences how for, for people who have never been it's it's kind of an interesting subculture that goes on there. How would you describe it?
2: Oh boy,
3: um, it's kind of like a family reunion in a way. Nowadays, especially uh, especially these big ones, and even the local ones if they're like annual events. Like there's one up here near me in Exeter, New Hampshire, and it's like you see the same people every year um, in in attendance. I mean, different speakers most of the time, but different. You see the same people. Oh, that's Bill from from manchester or oh, that's the guy from western mass uh you know oh there he is again you know and you kind of catch up and and there's a certain camaraderie where the people no matter what, what event you go to funnily enough it's a, whether it's a ufo event or a bigfoot conference i've been to a flat earth convention this they all have the same sense of camaraderie that you're there with fellow travelers you don't have to worry about people making fun of you um you know you can kind of let your hair down you can let your guard down um you know and 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 exchange ideas and sort of find out how other people got into this um so yeah there's a there's a sense of camaraderie it varies you know in different the people i find like in the UFO one events they're really passionate about um i mean we all want the answers to all this stuff but there's sort of like a like a there's a a strange sort of passion to them wanting the answer, like almost a frustration. Like they've been, like it's been so long and they're just tired of waiting and they want to know With the, with the other, with the crypto crypto cryptozoology conferences, there there was more of a Zen feeling I detected sort of from the audience. They were kind of content, like they would like to know what Bigfoot is and everything, but they were just, there was more of a sense of wonder uh, about what's out there in the waters and in the woods of the world.
0: Um, well, there's less, know, then, I then guess, there's less at stake. There's less at stake, maybe, with Bigfoot because with UFOs, there could be a lot riding on this, right? It could disrupt everything right. we know, it could, you know, free energy, uh, all of that stuff. But with Bigfoot, nobody gets hurt,
3: right? Right, exactly. Yeah, what about
0: that the flat sense. earth? Yeah, what about the flat earth uh conference you went to? I've you know, I'm I'm willing to entertain just about any theory as long as it doesn't spread hate and I won't do holocaust denial of course uh, but you know people want it some people get very upset when I'll entertain a flat earth a flat earther uh and I don't believe the earth is flat not for a moment but I find the I find their arguments fascinating I find the whole kind of psychology behind it interesting and I think it's worthy I mean I think it makes good radio and people can make up their own minds of course um how did you find that flat earth uh, conference you went to?
3: It was it was you could almost like turn the camaraderie up to 11 in that sense. Like these are the most uh marginalized of of the of the paranormal conspiracy world pretty much. Um or um, or among the most marginalized. So they were really um they were happy to see each other they all knew each other because the community is really small and it was really crazy. There were people that people laugh. They came from around the world. There were people there from, uh, <laughs> there were people there from Sweden, from Australia, from, uh, from, from Latin, uh, South America. So, you know, it was, they, they came from all over, all over the world. They,
0: um, no, Tim, they came from the four corners of the world.
3: There you go. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and 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 to me that was that was remarkable in a sense too because when you think about it like you have, you have to take kind of a moment to pause and it's like can you imagine how much it must have cost to fly from Australia to Dallas to to go to this flat Earth thing like that's how that that's how passionate they are that's how passionate they are about the subject um, and the other thing I I really noticed was that there was just this real sense of like paranoia about. Strangers and anyone who's with the media, because um, they've just been they've been sandbagged so much that that they don't like. They, it's a very closed knit circle. Um, it's a very closed circle. Luckily, I managed to kind of weasel my way in there because I came at them with my palms up, being like, "Look, you guys believe some some pretty wild stuff. I believe some pretty wild stuff." The 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 funniest part about the weekend maybe was that like every flat earther I talked to about UFOs. They laughed at me,
0: <laughs> yeah,
3: I was they, they looked at me like I was crazy, <laughs> so it was like, that brings you down to earth when you're in the moment, yeah, <laughs> that'll bring you down to earth. so to me, it was like, okay, I can find some common ground with you guys because we're we're all kind of marginalized in different ways, so um, and I think they respected that and that I and that I I noticed, like, the local TV station or whatever, this is how they do business. I don't begrudge them. You know, they show up, they film something for maybe a couple hours, then they leave. They do a couple talking ads, interview some people on the street, and they're out of there. I was there, like, the whole weekend. So I really got to know the people pretty well, and, and they would see me around. And, you know, by the time I left, the Flat Earth was, like, hugging me and saying, you know, well, we, you got to come to the next event, you got to come to the next event. So, And they knew. They knew I didn't believe in the Flat Earth. Like, I was pretty upfront about that. My attitude was, like, look, I don't want to debate you guys about this. Like, you believe that, I believe this. Let's, you know, tell me about how you got into this, how this affects your life, you know, um, that kind of stuff. that's really what I wanted to know, like right. why they necessarily believe this, not not to try and sell me on the flat Earth.
0: More of my conversation with Tim Benall when Conspiracy Unlimited returns. C60 EVO delivers the miracle molecule ESS-60. It's pure carbon-60. Why not love your body and share C60 EVO with those you love? ESS 60 from C60 EVO is a mega antioxidant for increased strength, endurance, flexibility, and a deeper sleep. It's great for pets too. I take a tablespoon every day and so does the mighty Aphrodite. We're both sleeping better than we have in years. And during the day, we have such tremendous energy and vitality, we're both pain-free. In a landmark, peer-reviewed animal study in Paris, France, rats fed. ESS-60 lived twice their normal lifespan. Go to c60evo.com slash Richard hyphen or click on the C60 Evo link in the episode notes. Use the code EVRS at checkout and save 10%. ESS-60 from C60 Evo. Order your miracle in a bottle today.
2: You're staring up at the night sky. Ever wonder who's staring back? No, me either. But I guess you better say it because of Richard. You know, he's all wrapped up in this stuff. (laughs) Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett.
0: Tim Banal, the news editor at Coast to Coast AM, is here. I want to circle back to the UFOs for a moment. Because there's so much happening. Oh, well, there's always a lot happening. But l- lately, it seems like things are really ramping up, and I don't know if it's ramping up to anywhere in particular. Of course, we had the U.S. Navy's UFO patent release, where we're hearing about you know free energy and anti-gravitics, and then we had a FOIA request, which brought forth 154 heavily redacted uh, documents from the Pentagon and the ufologists who made the FOIA request, claims that this was proof that the, uh, the Pentagon was studying UFO wreckage. What do you make of all this? this? Are you excited? Do you think this is going somewhere? Or do you think, you know, we're up for another great disappointment?
3: I'm afraid I'm in the latter camp. Um, I'm, I'm very cynical about what we've been seeing for the last couple of years. I, try, I, I wish I wasn't, but it just seems to me I, I'm not exactly, like, happy about that about that, but I've seen how this has developed over the years, and having studied the subject over the decades before I got involved in UFOs, and it's always this ebb and flow where it looks like we're close, but then it doesn't turn out that way, um, and I can see why people are excited, and I found myself really interested, and not so excited, but intrigued, like what is, what is going on here? Um... But to me, it's just I've had the rug pulled out for me so often over the years that uh, it's hard for me to get super super excited about it. And I think that part of the thing is I was really tight with Stan Friedman, the late grade. Love mm. Stan. We, we were like we were pretty close. Um, and so I'm a Stan Friedman guy. I guess you could put it that way. And 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 to me, like I just have sort of a love of old school ufology. Um, and, and and that kind of world, and, and this new world. I understand the way it is, but to me, it's like it's just very much not about the light, the the lights in the sky. It's like all about sort of uh, the the machinations of the government. Um, and I feel like maybe the the UFO community's lost sight of that a little bit, where it's like okay, right. when you're when you're spending all your time debating, you know, the commissary note from lou elizondo to see if he was really at the pentagon in in june or whatever (laughs) you know it's like what does this have to do with 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 aliens man (laughs) like what does this have to do with with ufo's it doesn't have anything to do with it um you know but but people are are like obsessing over a lot of these finite details of the government programs and stuff like that and it's, it's i feel like they've got a little bit gotten lost in the weeds a little bit on it
0: um, right, right, Well, yeah. You know. It used to be about the lights in the sky, and and um, I'm wondering, do you think, you know, you go to some of these conferences, and we have people who claim, without any evidence, it, it's a great story, but they claim that they were, you know, as a child they were uh, taken out of their body and trans, uh, you know, trans uh, transferred to the moon where they trained, and then they went on to Mars at a uh, and fought aliens, and then they were. You know, sent back <laughs> yeah. back in time, you know who I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah, um, I mean, do you think that that this, um I don't know, that this speaks to some sort of a not a crisis in in ufology, but again, that they've gone they've gotten too far over their skis,
3: yeah, I think so. I think so. I think that you get to a point where you, how many cases it's this frustration, like how many cases do you need? How many? Reports can you collect? Like I think there's a certain like I think there's a certain sort of resignation with the subconsciously or something. The community's sort of thrown up their hands and they're like, look, it, we've done everything we can. So just tell us the answer already. Just <laughs> just tell just tell us the answer. And they, yeah, that, I think that's why they they they're still, You know, they this all this disclosure thing, this exopolitics that like it really kind of ramped up, like, at the turn of the century. So, I mean, we're at, like, the 20-year mark or so of that. So it's kind of like, I think that that's where that's coming from. There's this sort of, like, frustration. And I think maybe, I wasn't really in the field uh, in the late 90s, but, but the X-Files and everything was so popular then. And I remember Larry King had the Roswell special and uh, out in the desert. And it was like, I can imagine, again, I wasn't there at the time, but I can imagine there was a similar level of excitement back then Maybe not to the degree that it is now, because it's it seems a little more serious. But back then, it was like UFOs were super hot, and people were really excited about it. And I'm sure there were a lot of people who were like, "This is it. We're right on the cusp of this breaking out." So, so I think it's a it's a cyclical sort of generational thing. And um, I mean, i i would probably get killed by like the UFO people for saying this, but it's but to me like they make a lot of noise about this Tic Tac. Video right and to me it's just like I just, I just think that the, whatever's going on is like some kind of geopolitical gamesmanship and, and and we're trying to show someone that we have this thing I think that that's what I really think is is the nature of all this
0: right right I, I agree I think ninety percent I don't know. I throw that number out there. Maybe it's 80, maybe it's 95. I don't know, but I'm going to throw 90% out uh, of what is being seen is just, uh, you know, super advanced, uh, military aircraft. Uh, and, and it's made in the good old USA or it's made by one of our, our adversaries, but that's, that's what, what we're seeing out there.
3: That's what I think. That's, that's what I think, especially with the Tic Tac thing. Mm. Um, you know, and and there are people who insist up and down that no, 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 it couldn't have come from here, and it's like, how do how do we how do you know, guy on Twitter, like <laughs> like how do you know that? You don't know that at all. Um, and the other thing, <laughs> my pet peeve about the video is uh, like uh, I, I don't know what they spend up in Canada, but down here in America, I think they they spent like billions upon billions of dollars on on all this all this military technology, and it's like. My doorbell camera has better resolution than this Tac video.
0: <laughs> it's true. <laughs>
3: like, where is the money going? <laughs> Couldn't they have put one of my put the ring camera on the jet, and we'll get a better picture of the UFO?
0: I want to talk about the podcast, "Been All of America," which is sure. a great name. Uh, and is that, oh, that, that that is your last your real last name, right?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. I was I was yeah. I, I don't know if it was a smart decision or not, but I was yeah, I was one of those people that decided just to use my name on the internet. <laughs> well, it, it
0: works well, uh been all of America. So I I gotta ask you about uh the um the annual that you do called Rux Giving. Not thanks oh, yeah. not Thanksgiving, but Rux Giving with uh, Bruce Rux. Who is Bruce Rux for the uninitiated?
3: Bruce uh Rux wrote a couple of books in the nineties um Hollywood versus the aliens and uh I want to say Architects of the underworld and uh Architects of the underworld is about he has a theory that essentially kind of ties a lot of the u f o stuff together that um that we i think i I, I don't want to do uh, try to do his theory justice but like I think his theory like is that we're the Martians essentially the Martians came here um you know, and this is all tied to UFOs. It's a huge, huge book. It's like 600 pages, um, and it's fastidiously researched. And then he did Hollywood versus the Aliens, and that's like a, a, a like a history of the portrayal of extraterrestrials in movies, and and contrasted with what we know about the phenomenon and why he thinks it's the messages are being manipulated by the government. Um, so interestingly enough, he wrote that stuff. He was actually on with Art Bell like way, way, way back in the day. Um, but then he just kind of vanished and somebody who listened to the show I had never heard of him because by the time I got into the field he was already long gone and someone listened to the show recommended him and I'm like this guy hasn't been on any shows anywhere and I'm like well now I really want to get him on my show so it took me like two years to track him down I finally found him and I got him on the show and he's he's just character he's just a really interesting guy he's got this really like I thought I had a deep voice he's He's got lists of like, actorly deep voice like this, and uh, he's very certain in his opinions on things, and people just seem to like him an awful lot. and I like him an awful lot, too, but uh, we just kind of have become friends over the years, and people just like him so much that I was like, well, let's... I, want, I like doing these annual-type shows with Stan. We did a holiday special, um, and so I said, you know, let's do let's do a thanksgiving thing uh with bruce so people can ask questions for him cuz they always seem to have questions about different movies or different theories on aliens and stuff like that and so that's kind of that's kind of how it went down it's just sort of a fun a fun thing that we do um you know he's an interesting character he's 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 very certain in his opinions he's had a lot of strange experiences i think the more you interview somebody like you move. You end up moving away almost from whatever they talk about. If you've interviewed someone like, like I think I've had him on like twelve times now over the years. So it's like you start. You know, he'll he'll mention, oh, I'm really into pirates. And the next thing you know, next time we talk, we'll spend ninety minutes talking about his research into pirates, <laughs> and he drops all this pirate knowledge on me. So he's just a really an interesting guy who who does a lot of a, a research and. Uh, has a lot to say about pretty much anything. He's had a lot of strange paranormal experiences and stuff like that. So, yeah, very, very cool guy. Uh,
0: I also want to talk to you about another favorite of yours. I believe he's a favorite. He's been on quite a bit, and that's William Zabel.
3: Oh, boy. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You talk about characters. William Zabel, um, I don't even know. If William Zabel didn't exist, I'd have to invent him. (laughs) He's... He's that much of an interesting cat. He he
2: uh, he
3: wrote a. He, he was working on a book. He's a lot of interesting sort of things about this. He was working on a. He believes that there was a conspiracy involving Columbine. He's from the Colorado area, um, and so he he had been doing a lot of research on the Columbine conspiracy and and as he sees it and his theories like really pretty wild. Um I do not believe it, but it somehow it involves like this stretched out over two days and and the people were held captive for like overnight and I'm like even when I interviewed him I'm like, "Bill, that doesn't make any sense. Like, what do you like how?" And he's like, "No, nah, I'm telling you, that's the way it is. I'm telling you." So people I think just were enamored with the just how kind of outlandish his ideas were and um you know, then the more we got talking, he—he's he, another guy who sort of reveals a lot of interesting background, character-wise. So you're like, he owned a car wash. He vanished for a while, for a while too. I couldn't find him for several years. People were like, what happened to Bill Zabel? It was a big thing.
2: <coughs>
3: but eventually, we found him, and uh, he's just a—he's just a serious. Uh, he believes a lot of conspiracies. We'll put it that way. Right, um, right. Yeah. So. And more often than not, sort of the, as far as, you know, not not in a harmful way, not like a Holocaust-type thing, but just sort of a, he'll go as far as, like, uh, you know, as far as you can, you can to the edge of, like, crazy. Right, right. <laughs> Just put it that way. So, well, But, but that... people like him an awful lot. I like him, too. I like him, too. Uh, but I, I, I find myself more often than not kind of shaking my head in wonder as he tells these stories uh, about about these different conspiracies.
0: So let me ask you about a favorite of, a favorite of yours. What, what, um, what story or guest really has you jazzed?
3: Hmm, let me think. Well, I, this one story that I covered earlier this year for Coast that really excited me, um, and it's funny, it kind of ties back to what we were talking about earlier. This was the study, uh, you may have seen this, uh, this was a study that was done on the Dyatlov Pass. And it was done by a couple of scientists, avalanche scientists. So it's like as specialized as you can get. And they, you know, got as much of the information as they could, like where on the mountain this thing happened, the slope of the mountain, the weather conditions as best they could. Um, and apparently, they somehow like even used the the animation software from Frozen <laughs> to to simulate different avalanches
0: these were um, these were like uh russian what were they soldiers or campers
3: Oh, okay and, yeah yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll back up a little bit yeah. so people know the the, the Pass past incident um i want to say it happened in 1959 i'm always bad with these little with the, <laughs> with the little factoids but it happened 60 years ago yeah so um and these nine hikers they were out in the ural mountains of russia um and uh, this was a big thing back then. This was like uh, sportsmen, sports clubs, it was called. And they would go out hiking. So they went on this long excursion into the remote mountains and then died under mysterious circumstances. No one knew why. No one knows why, I guess you could say. We'll never really fully know. Um, they like At some point in the night, they slashed their tents open and ran and took off running. Um... And the the bodies were found miles, like a mile away from where the the tent was with injuries, strange injuries. Um, They were kind of scattered in different places, like three of them were here, a couple of them were over there, that kind of thing. Uh, Nobody knew what the story was. And it it became one of these great mysteries uh, that has persisted for years and years and years. And the interesting part was that the Russian government, in, in recognition of the 50th anniversary, they reopened the case last year, uh, two years ago now, 2019, in honor of the anniversary. And so they conducted a pretty exhaustive investigation um, and released the findings last year in 2020, and they determined that it was an avalanche. And what was interesting is the two European researchers, they kind of heard about this, and they wanted to I think there was some consternation, because the Russian government was like, it was an avalanche, but they didn't quite really explain how that was the case. So a lot of people were kind of like, oh, this is part of the cover-up, because a lot of people think that they were killed by, like, a secret Soviet weapons test. That's sort of one of the more realistic ideas um, that, that could have happened to them uh, if you're not looking at the prosaic events, um, there are some really fantastic theories, like UFOs and a Yeti attack. Oh. Um, so
0: that's my—that's uh, my bet. I'm betting on the Yeti attack. I don't know why.
3: Yeah, I know. I that's just... like my personal favorite. So, um, so essentially, these scientists were like, "All right, well, they say it was an avalanche. Let's show how it could have been an avalanche." And I mean, they had animations and everything that, that it was a slab avalanche, which is like a big chunk of snow like slides out and then crushes the people underneath, and they, they pretty much say that the injuries are consistent with a slab avalanche and the way that they put—they dug out a piece of, 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 the, of the layer of snow in the mountain. They cut, a, they cut like a thing into it, you know, to make like a wall in a sense and build their tent there. So you have to imagine like a tent on the side of a mountain up against a big wall of snow um, and then the wall, you know, and then the snow accumulated above them, and the cliff above them, if you will. And then, because they cut into it, they disturbed the. They, they just disturbed uh, how the how the snow was all held together. I guess you could say on the mountain. And and then the winds, <laughs> the winds, swept the, more snow onto the top, and that eventually just caused it like a straw that broke the camel's back, kind of caused a, a little pop. And then the sheet, of this, this shelf of snow, popped out and crushed them. And then, you know, some of them probably got really injured And when that happened, and the rest were uh, undoubtedly confused and frightened. So that would explain why they took off and started running. And once they got like, it was the middle of the night. So once they were like a mile away from their camp in, in their sleeping, you know, they, they were like in their socks and, and, and long johns or whatever. They weren't even, they, it was not a very smart retreat. So then they couldn't survive the elements. Find their way back. Hmm. No. That's the theory. It, and yeah, it no, it was, like, a, it was a yeti. God. It was yeah. a yeti. <laughs> 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 but yeah, that's 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 probably that was probably the most exciting story I'd seen in a while because uh, it was you rarely get like a really good, air, fairly airtight uh, explanation for some of this stuff. But like right. I said, we'll never really know. Um, but it seems, seems plausible to me.
0: So when are you and I going to get to work on Coast to Coast again? We usually, you know, we do a, a Friday. If I'm working on a Friday, and I do maybe once uh, a couple of times a month, sometimes you'll come on and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll work together. You'll, we'll talk about some of the strange stories in the news. When are we going to do that again?
3: Uh, I'm not sure. Well, I won't be on tomorrow night, but I'll be on two weeks from tomorrow, and then pretty much every two weeks you know, pretty much every other week. Um, you know, so so I'm not on tomorrow night, so I'll be on the 19th. Um, and then this, the first Friday in April, essentially every other Friday. I think it's a little bit shaken up over the next couple of months, but it's, you know, chances are if I'm not on this Friday, I'll be on the next one. So I don't know. We'll have to compare our schedules.
0: You're avoiding me, aren't you?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I always feel bad. I, this happens when you or Ian fills in. I'm always like... I'm not... <laughs> sorry, guys. I'm not scheduled to be on tonight, so... But... Uh, no, that's
2: all right. Yeah, I, no, 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 it's I, not intentional
3: at all. No. I booked these all our way in advance uh, with the show. So I do. I, I never do. know who's hosting that night.
0: I I enjoy it when we get together. What do you see yourself doing? Last question. What do you see yourself doing in 10 years?
3: Oh, wow. Uh, well, you know... I... I don't know. I'll tell you one thing. I would like to... There's so much content out there. It's So, well, I guess like I'm allowed to say this. There are people who get into this field and they're like immediately they want a TV show, right? It's, it's like, look, I've been in this for like 20 years. Right. I've never had the opportunity. I feel like I bring such a unique perspective to this to this field um, and this sense of humor and this ability to see the absurd and things that I would love to sort of take that, whatever this vision is, and, and do it. It doesn't not necessarily have to be TV. It could be like something on YouTube or whatever. But like do something in the in the in the video realm, if you will. Um, you know, because yeah. I feel like that's I, I, I'm not seeing. I don't see much of what, of what I would enjoy. You know what I'm saying when I watch some of these shows. It's a lot of very rote. Um, they're either a UFO hunter, a ghost hunter, or a Bigfoot hunter, right? Right. It's right.
0: Like... <laughs> and they're all very earnest. It's all a little, a little too earnest. Yeah, you're right. You need to bring some a sense of humor to it, and you do that very well.
3: Thank you, thank you. So, yeah, that's that's kind of what you know. If I if I had my druthers, like in ten years, that's yeah, that we that that I would have uh, that I would at least have taken a shot at doing something like that. And that's really more on me. Like, I just need to find the time to to produce something. Like I said, I could just put it on YouTube. It's not necessarily like I... I'm not like someone who's like, oh, I want a TV show. It's just like... I, I'd i like to sort of show people a different side of this that um, they're not really necessarily getting on on uh, basic cable.
0: I think that's a great idea, and I think you're the person to do it. So in the meantime, we can enjoy your, um, your work on the uh, Coast to Coast AM website where you serve as the news editor, and then every other Friday we can hear you on with... With George or Ian or myself, and uh, that's always great fun. And mm-hmm. of course, there's the uh, the podcast. Tell people how they can listen to that.
3: They can just head on over to binallofamerica.com, of america dot com b i n n a l l of america dot com. And we, I kind of go through stretches, but actually, I'm going to have a show depending on what people are listening. If they can get it the next day or whatever, that's the beauty of podcasting. But. Last year, when this corona thing started, um, I did a show with uh, Dr. Tyler Kochjohn, who's a, uh, an Alzheimer's researcher uh, out in Arizona, a good friend of the show. He has an interest in UFOs and everything, but since he was a medical doctor or doctor of sciences or whatever, um, I wanted him on the show to sort of explain what this thing was that it was just starting. And so we did a show on Friday the 13th last March, so tomorrow night will be like the one-year anniversary of when we sat down to to do that. So we're going to do that uh, tomorrow night on the 12th, and then I'm bringing the show back uh, on a weekly basis, uh, starting on April 2nd with, uh, with Lauren Coleman, and then we're going to have a whole series of guests uh, after that. And those are on Friday nights. I kind of figured out, I'm like, well, I'm going to be on coast-to-coast. Most of the time, later on in the night, um, I need to be on my be- <laughs> I need to be on my best behavior here on a Friday night, so I'm just just going to be sitting around watching TV. I'm not going to be imbibing any spirits, if you will, because so, uh, I'm going to be on national radio one o'clock in the morning. So I'm like, well, if I'm going to be home, rather than just watch uh, basic cable all night or whatever, like let's get the show going. Let's move the show to Friday nights and, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll do the show. We'll do the show then. So, yeah. So, Friday nights, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern, we go live uh, at Banal of America, uh, like I said, starting again on uh, April 2nd. So, I don't know how long I'll do it for this time. Maybe probably a few months, you know, into the summer or something like that.
0: Great having you on, Tim. Terrific work. I'm a big fan. And, and, uh, hey, good luck to your Red Sox this year.
3: Oh, yes. Keep your... Yeah, I'll be keeping my fingers crossed on that one, although I'm not I don't know if i are gonna hold out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Too much
3: hope. Hopefully right. I don't give up on the season by like June. So <laughs> that, that that would be a win if I can if I still care by August, it'll be it'll be all right.
0: All Thanks right. for
3: having me on, Richard. I really appreciate my
0: it. My pleasure. We'll catch you on Coast soon. Bye for now. Okay, before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'll be back in a few moments to share a few details about an upcoming episode. You can become an official Patreon supporter of my work here at Strange Planet Productions by donating a monthly amount through patreon.com forward slash strange planet, patreon.com forward slash There are several tiers to choose from. Pick which one is right for you, but any monthly amount is greatly appreciated. As a sign of my appreciation, you can have your name mentioned on air during my weekly radio show, or you could have your name included in a crawl on my YouTube channel live stream. You could also receive episodes of my old podcast, The Rock and Roll Twilight Zone. This critically acclaimed podcast, produced in partnership with Chris Jericho, is not currently available anywhere else. If you enjoy this podcast or my weekly radio program, The Conspiracy Show, you can really get behind me and my work by donating once a month at patreon.com forward slash strange planet, patreon.com forward slash strange planet. Coming up next time, UFO researcher Mary Joyce on underground bases and strange anomalies on the surface of Mars.
1: Five years later, I was playing around with Google Earth, just cruising around the planet, and sometimes I get lucky, and found another one. And this was in the southern hemisphere, and it was like 10 times bigger than the first one. And I'm not just coming up with that figure. If people are familiar with Google Earth, you can actually measure things. And the larger one measured approximately 7,000 feet long. And the first one we found was about 700 feet long. So when I say it's 10 times bigger, it's a pretty accurate statement.
0: Until then, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now.